0: Today's video is brought to you by Upstart. Did you cry? Because I cheered up like six times. Did you? I did, man. yeah. Because I think one of the things you've always been fantastic about is always just being like supportive of when I'm good at something. So I think for me, that was like one of those where it was like, that is Jay. Like <laughs> when I'm good, like those are the moments where I was like, he is that brother to me. Well so, said, Ben. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks. <laughs>
1: Hey, brother! And welcome to a spoiler review of Pixar's newest movie, Onward. I didn't know if you were gonna say anything. Ah, I, I, I don't know. Hey, brother!
0: Guys, before we dive on into the review, I want to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Upstart. Unfortunately, there is no magic spell that you can use to instantly get yourself out of debt, no matter how much of your heart's fire you can muster. In some cases, student loans and credit card debt can have such high interest rates that even if every single month you're making your payments on time, it never really feels like the mountain is getting any smaller. The good news is Upstart is a fantastic tool that you can use in the repayment process to make each payment more efficient and effective to knock that mountain down. By consolidating those loans into a single fixed payment with a fixed interest rate, you can make bigger steps each month towards getting back on level ground. If you'd like to learn more about how to get strategic with getting out of debt, be sure to go to upstart.com/scb. Again, that is upstart.com/scb to figure out just how low your rate could be. It only takes a few minutes. Link is in the description down below. Pixar's Onward, kind of an exciting time in the world of Pixar movies. Like, it is the start of getting back into what I think Pixar does best, which is telling original stories.
1: I agree. They were like, we're done with the sequels for the foreseeable future, which has been a really exciting thing and also just exciting because how's this going to fit into the pixar theory we got to work all that out right i think and this one does pose a very very interesting
0: challenge Uh, i think coming into this like particular movie we had a couple of different theories and discussions that we could probably touch on today yeah Uh, one of which was the idea that like what if onward is andy from toy Story's imagination right so Uh, we sort of
1: put that idea out there a long time ago as if this was Andy writing a book or something in the future. But (laughs) more specifically, I think it's just as possible that this is not his novel, but his uh, game of Dungeons and Dragons very 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 possible very specifically that <laughs> yes yes the the dungeons and dragons thing
0: yeah. um i'm i'm actually very curious to see in the in the scheme of all things the effect that it seems like stranger uh stranger things has had on the
1: renewal and interest Ooh, in dungeons, dungeons and dragons. dragons do you think stranger things has spurred on dungeons and dragons or do you think that the writers of Stranger Things just have their finger on the pulse enough to know that Dungeons & Dragons was growing in a really... Like, they, they call like, it, like, mid-surge. Yeah. Like, like, the, like while like, it's on the up and are, up. Are they representative of the popularity, or are they responsible of the popularity?
0: My immediate inkling is that they're responsible for it. Okay. Um, although, that being said, I do feel like general internet culture and uh, fandom, nerddom, all that type of stuff is mm-hmm. something that is expansive at the moment in a massive, massive way. Like, the, the barriers to what, at one point in time, someone would have thought, like, made them nerdy, quirky... Whatever
1: Mm -hmm. is just the cool thing to do. Absolutely, that's that is not not an underlying theme of this movie. Yeah, where that where I guess we can jump into it where Ian sort of sees his brother as this sort of failure. Well, but ultimately it's his knowledge that like allows Ian to do everything. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, So turns out it was useful knowledge, not just games in my room, mom, mom. (gasps) Well he kind of lucked out a little bit. I I mean, I wrote that down uh right here that his like magic the gathering cards might have been a little bit too reliable like as a source of information right right so <laughs> okay the whole world is is kind of
0: interesting as you yeah. enter into uh yeah, let's, new let's back up. yeah okay so we, <laughs> we go into new mushroom Hill, right that's the name of our town mm-hmm. is that ian and barley live in ian is delivered to us as as our main character voiced by tom holland and he is sort of like a, a rather timid, pretty easily related to like high school age student right. who, who is a little bit socially awkward. He's, he's kind of scared of the world. right? And, and we're seeing that, you know, kind of through his half-hearted attempt to merge lanes and then also right. invite people over to his
1: house for cake. Yeah, <laughs> they use the word cake. I want someone to do a cake counter because they use the word cake in the first 10 minutes of that movie like maybe 20 times. It was,
0: I I noticed that too. I was like, like, what's with the cake? What's with the
1: cake? Like, is this a
0: much more significant thing that I'm realizing?
1: I I know. I was like, man, I think you're trying to lure people in with cake, but like just the party, just the social gathering would be enough. Do you you
0: think it's supposed to represent a little bit of like Ian's almost, like he is a a child who is is merging on the idea of of becoming more of an adult, you know, in his own right. Mm -hmm. and, And cake maybe in a way is a little bit more symbolic of something that is
1: like a key feature of a child's birthday party. That that I do think is probably a little bit what's happening. Where like, yes, when you're a kid, the cake is like the high point of every birthday party. Right. And he almost seems like a little too old for it to still be about, I don't know. I I do think that's what's happening. They still feel like he used it too many times. Well,
0: we'll have it with the cake. A little too yeah, much icing. A little
1: too much icing on that cake there, friends. And I also will say, I'd kind of like this, that his insecurities, uh, seemed to l- largely be in his own head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was so nervous about going to talk to these kids and he had to, like, write down what he was going to say and he just wanted to invite them over to his party and at no point are they, like, turned off by him at all. Yes. They're just, like... Yeah, absolutely. Of course we want to come over and hang out. That'd be great. Cool. Where is it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. This is word for word. What I wrote down is I said that for one, I liked Ian more than I was expecting to, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is strange going into the movie with like being kind of unsure about how you feel about your protagonist. Mm -hmm. But I said that he falls into the trope of that awkward kid in high school that is more in his own way than actually incapable. Like he is this kid um, that like really all he needs is like the nudge. He needs, he needs a couple of moments where there's a positive feedback loop to understand that like he can do stuff. Yeah. And, and throughout the movie, I think that we see that really, I, I actually think it's very well done where he he sort of like noses his his way into like trying things. Yeah. And getting like a little more confidence. And then by the end, you know, he has like his really cool. Yeah, his yeah. big
1: magic fight there yeah. at the end, which was really cool. I really it, liked the, the final fight.
0: Yes. And that was something that I thought the movie did really, really well was having all of the different components of the movie working together in a way. Like, everything fit together
1: really nicely. Yes. I feel like the movie is extremely well written. Like, no sentence is wasted. Yeah. Like, every sentence comes back to pay off again later in some way. Right. Every little thing they show you on screen ends up meaning something. Right. And I thought that was really well done. Exactly.
0: Well, and I think that that's uh, even with each spell, one of the things I really liked about it. So like as as Ian is sort of like come to terms with this idea that, you know, he he has some type of magical ability inside of him. uh, And then Mm -hmm. Barley is sort of like his coach. Yeah. You know, which is which is kind of cool because the best coaches are always the guy who couldn't quite do it because they had to work harder to learn how to do it. Right. Than the person who's naturally gifted. So I was like, that adds up. It was a
1: very cool, like, two halves of a whole story going on where Barley, literally, if he was the one who had the magic power and discovered the staff, like, he would have been immediately so good at it. Oh, right. But, like, he had all the knowledge, but none of the the capabilities, whereas Ian has all the capability and none of the knowledge. Right. I might not even be able to get through this sentence, but, like,
0: one of the things that I loved, which, by the way, I loved the character of Barley. I thought Mm -hmm. he was my favorite character in the movie, but the kind of excitement that he had for his younger brother Mm -hmm. being so capable was something that like i felt like hit me square in the feelings like it was it was one of those like because with someone who had been in that position where like this whole idea of like this magical world and dungeons and dragons and wizard staffs and stuff the idea of like getting one and then finding out that like, the next most adjacent person in your life possible is the one who can use it. Right. Is
1: absolutely circumstances for massive jealousy. Oh yeah, that, I do love that about Barley, is that not once in the whole movie is he jealous. Yes. Of Ian's ability to do magic even though he is like loves it right you right know? and he, he's, he's like yeah. he's
0: so proud of him he's like my little brother can do magic and yeah. he's like and he's not faking it there's never a moment where the whole time he's actually been quietly like Man, this is really hard for me to like you know right. watch you do the thing I love or something like yeah. that so I thought I thought that was really cool and then of course paired really nicely with what the ultimate you know idea of the movie was with him sort of being like this guiding force figurehead for, for yeah. him throughout his life sort of
1: the, the father figure for yeah.
0: him right he ever knew he had I think there are a couple of decisions that they made with Barley that almost like in such a strange way foreshadow the idea that he has been like the father like the way that he rolls up to school to pick him up for his birthday in <laughs> like a super embarrassing way He's so embarrassing like I like the flashback I was having was to like into the Spider-Verse when yeah. the dad rolls up, rolls up and he like he's like got to say it and he's like on I'm like the the whole yeah. like as he's like walking <laughs> to school <laughs> It makes him yeah. say like I love you. So like the uh like that's the copy. It's yeah, that, <laughs> that's copy. The the embarrassing uh father <laughs> figure moments that Barley has are almost more characteristics of your stereotypical like mm-hmm. movie dad than your stereotypical movie older brother. But like on that note of Barley, like one of the things that the movie is trying to illustrate to you a little bit earlier on why other people in Barley's life would see him as like a bit of a screw up. Mm-hmm. But is Barley supposed to actually represent the idea of the character who grew up like without that father figure in a, in like this unusual way? Like, you know, Ian is doing well in school and you know, he's like, he has like achievement.
1: Oh, um, oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. But like Barley, of course. Barley, of course, really grew up without a father. And right. so
0: what you're actually seeing is Ian who thinks he has the effects of growing up without a father, and then Barley, Barley who does, who is this? Like, yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. You can tell that he, like, he's got like the the duct tape together van, and it's full of parking tickets, right? And, you know, like he he spends most of his time focusing on like imaginary worlds, and right,
1: which I have to
0: imagine has like a degree from like a psychological standpoint of like escapism. Oh, for like, sure it is,
1: because it sounds like his whole life is basically haunted by his one moment where he doesn't get to say goodbye to his dad. Right. And I love that that's what the movie ultimately like builds up to. Yes. Is that moment. I don't know if you want to skip ahead to the ending. We can. We can't just because that was. We have no structure. No structure at all, man. Okay. So leading up to the movie, uh, I don't know how hard it was to guess what the plot was going to be that, uh, that Barley was going to end up sort of being the guiding figure in Ian's life. And oh, how happy. But I was very unsure what they were going to do about the actual father himself. Yes. Because they have this pair of legs following them around the whole movie, and I was worried going in that you can't have these legs follow them around the whole movie, and then them like, fail and not see him.
0: You can't, okay, well, I, th- I think what yeah. you're trying to say is, like, you can't pull the rug out from Barley at the end of the movie by then having the father be the actual father figure. Right, exactly. Like, because because Ian's your main. Um, and yeah. so that was, so walking into the movie and we were having that discussion, we actually have Seamus Gorman, who also does Pixar uh, mm-hmm. videos in office with us, and we were talking about it on the drive up, and uh, I was saying that I don't think we'll see the dad mm-hmm. in the movie. And of course, like, we, we knew there'd be, like, photographs of him and stuff, but but the thing I couldn't wrap my head around is that, yeah, if they're successful, what on earth could the father figure actually do that wouldn't fall flat? Because even though we've spent the whole movie, like with his bottom half, you know, that's not a, like quite literally, it's not a fully fleshed out character. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> get it, Nailed it. It's going to be hard to have any emotional moments with the father as he exists as a physical character on screen mm-hmm. uh, that are meaningful to us. Be- because we don't know him. They haven't relied on flashbacks. They haven't had all these moments that, like, sort of g- gave you any sense of who he was. So I love the way they went about the ending of this movie and having, you know, Ian basically trapped inside of, you know, a stone silo of debris from the Destroyed yeah. Dragon. And, you know, he watches with us from afar. Um, as, as Barley kind of finally gets that moment of, you know, validation that like, you know, that like his dad is proud of him for getting him to where he is, you know, that day. Yeah. So, but I even, I liked the fact that they didn't even bring us the audience over to that.
1: Right. You don't even get to experience it. Right. Like we watch it with Ian. Right. um, Yeah. which, Which I think was the right call. Like you don't get to hear the dad say anything right right now you you see him you see that ian's efforts were successful in bringing him back but he's only there for less than a minute that was a really good way to do that
0: yeah i I thought thought so yeah yeah. the the movie the movie wrapped up really really nicely um you know in that sense and and i was very pleasantly surprised with with how it went down Mm, me too okay so my next question for you because this was something that i as i was watching the movie i was I was curious whether or not there wasn't more meaning to it. And I'm I'm sure that as soon as we start talking out loud, it'll make more sense to me. But the fact that they go on this big massive journey and they do all this stuff and they're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere and they've been driving forever and then finally they they find their way literally at the manhole in front of their school mm-hmm. the whole story i mean and i feel like this is like it seems such a, a self-explaining thing but it has come full circle uh, well like sure you know we're, we're back there yeah but what is, i don't know I, I don't know that i felt like that was maybe they needed to bring the story back to
1: <laughs> the answer is they wanted to have that funny stone faced dragon right yeah, yeah 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 okay i do i do think i have an answer for you okay. on that like Late why does day. why on earth does it end up back at the school i think the reason is because of what we've already talked about where the whole time barley was there for ian and it was like right in front of him and he didn't realize it and sort of the same thing with the phoenix gem it's like oh the whole time it was right in front of you
0: oh that's cool yeah that's cool. cool so like the phoenix gem was there It was there the whole time
1: right yeah i don't think it totally made sense i don't think it like narratively makes sense for that to have been right there like i like the symbolism there but i don't like that they went on this huge epic quest and adventure and the fact that there is all of these puzzle pieces that did accurately lead them to this thing and there were trap doors and things, and it turns out they could have just walked across the street. Like, it seems the trap doors and all that stuff is just pointless. <laughs> a little you know? bit, yeah. I mean, and I think that that's like a little bit of the, like
0: the journey is the destination <clears throat> type of thing. Oh, like,
1: that is, I wrote that exact sentence down. That I think is pretty much the point of the movie. Yes. I guess they did need the little cross thing to put on the thing at the end. So maybe you, you did need to go through the whole thing.
0: But. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the Phoenix gem, the only thing that I thought was kind of strange about that, I mean, ultimately it's a plot device. It's, it's <laughs> the almighty important thing. But I did think it was kind of odd that they like, they literally start the movie with one. Yeah. And then like the spell kind of goes poorly and it's like, well, we need another one. And it was like, uh, really? Like, look, yeah. I almost almost feel like, and I don't even know how it would have made sense. Like, I guess the spell is so complicated that you have to have a Phoenix gem in order to do it. Yeah. But it, it makes me feel like maybe they were like a little bit hasty and I guess, yeah, like in, in trying to do
1: it for the first
0: time. Oh, without
1: like learning any other magic? Right. Okay, so I thought about that a little bit too, cause I, that, that was kind of bothering me. I guess I was like, man, imagine if he had just like took some time to learn some magic and then tried this spell, they probably could have just gotten it right the first time. Right. Right? Uh, So, one, I think the reason it explodes the first time is because Barley kind of, like, comes in and in his efforts to help, messes up the spell a little bit. And that's sort of what shatters it. And also, they might have taken that route if they'd gotten that far, except that the spell just inadvertently starts activating because Ian is just sort of, like, reading the spell next to the staff. And once it's going, it's going. He's not, like... Trying to do it, he's sure. not like, well, let me try or something. Right, you know? right, yeah. I, and I guess really, what it came
0: down to for me, and this is pretty, you know, nitpicky, but it's almost like, is it is it better that they have one from the start, or is it better that they attempt to do the spell and it's like oh, it won't work unless we have this almighty thing and we have to go hunt one down? Right. And and maybe maybe a little bit now that I'm saying it out loud, if Barley's the one who messes it up, it feeds into why Ian might be activating under or operating under the idea that. His brother is a little bit of a screw up. Sure. Like like sure. When, when you're around, things get ruined. Right. Um.
1: Yeah. It could. You're right. It, it could have just been some random crystal. I'm not sure if you noticed, but Barley has a big phoenix literally on his back the whole that. time yeah. as well. I kind of like that as well because phoenixes, of course, you know, re are reborn when right. they die and it seemed so appropriate that, of course, Barley is the Phoenix, he's just the dad sort of reborn in a way. Right, right. Oh, that's cool, cool. that's cool.
0: Yeah, I like that, Yeah. I like that, that's pretty fun. Right. Okay, so one of the other things I wanna talk about, this is shifting gears a little bit though, is each spell, I thought, one of the ways that they they made each of the spells really interesting and then was ultimately important at the end, is each one had its own like rule that you kind of got to go through with right. Ian. Yeah, I, I liked these a lot, and I thought they were like, well, Speak with heartfire! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> speak with
1: your heart's fire. Uh, that was the lifting spell, right? That was the first one, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the, 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 lifting, the floating, the levitation the, spell. Yeah, Wingardium Leviosa. Yeah, except whatever they said. How <laughs> funny would it have been if they had used that? Oh though? man, there, there, uh, people were saying, or I guess the people we were watching was said there were some Harry Pottery type things. Yeah, I saw,
0: I saw a couple of them. It would be a, obviously a jump since it's not owned by the same studio at all. Um, but I, I saw Longbottom, I think, yeah, on the gas
1: station window. But I saw Longbottom as well.
0: That might have been the only one that
1: I saw. It's so hard to say like, oh, was that a Harry Potter reference? Because so much of it was just fantasy reference. And Oh, right. You know, right. Harry Potter's a fantasy story. So. Right. Um, but did you see? Did you see the
0: Luxo Ball A113? There'll be a nod to Soul in there somewhere. I didn't.
1: Boy, no. No. I did yeah. Not, did you? No. All I saw, and I mean, there are so many like walls of stickers and patches and brands, and I'm just like, I know it's in there. I know the stuff is there. Right. But it is there. Is there are runes and patterns and big things on walls, and it's just like a lot to take in. You get to see it for half a second, and I'm sure they're there. I saw one of the buses said like. Twenty nine thirteen or something oh, instead, instead of twenty three nine. nineteen. Yeah. which I was like, is hey, that is that is that a Monsters Inc. joke? I don't know. It's so close for it to not be perfect. I know. It's like
0: it's like, what happened?
1: Yes. Right. Like, yes. how do you pick what those happened? numbers
0: at Pixar and not realize to use twenty three nineteen? Yes. That maybe maybe they'll wondering. fix
1: it for the home cut. Maybe they will. Maybe yeah. we will just switch it around. Right. We'll never right. know. Okay. So what else did you like about the movie? Oh well, I liked the mom. I thought yeah. she had a much more involved role than I thought she was going to have. Yep. Which I suppose shouldn't be much of a surprise because she's voiced by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Right. Not a no-name actor. Right. Kind of a big deal.
0: On that note, though, one of the things I did think was interesting about the mom is that she herself didn't seem more motivated or driven by the idea of seeing her husband who
1: prematurely passed away. Mm. Well, she doesn't like poo-poo the idea at all, though, That's Either. true. I
0: mean, I guess they do have that whole montage where they're trying to, like, cast a spell. Yeah. You know, when Barley's doing it in the bedroom. And she, right. she does sit with them for quite some time through that whole process yeah. to, like, see it, see it through. But that that is something that I think is interesting from a couple of different angles. Like, the idea of, like, being able to see, like, your long-lost husband, you know? Like, yeah. It, it certainly seems like something. I can see why, you know, your sons, obviously had the opportunity to see their dad, especially Ian who never got to meet him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can see why that would be a particularly significant thing. But the other interesting detail about the mom's involvement in the story that I was really pleased with the way that they did it is the fact that she does have like a boyfriend. Yes. And I think very typically, especially in Disney movies, like, there's the evil step parent trope.
1: Yes. So he's not he's not like a full on stepdad right yet. Right. But yes, they do they do paint that role in a like a much more positive light. They, right, exactly. Yeah. And and
0: so this character, Colt, is Colt. That his name? Colt, Colt yeah. Bronco. Colt Bronco. <laughs> the centaur. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was like a cool approach to Colt because it would have been so, so, so easy to see where they would be like, you know, you would have the boyfriend who's a cop, a little enforcey, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, go about being like a minor antagonist. Like, right. like you're trying to go and get your dad back. You know, it's like, like you could see where that would potentially maybe negatively affect his role.
1: Right. But he doesn't, I mean, he comes across as an antagonist, but not, it's more in the form of like an obstacle, but not in the form of he's actively working against them.
0: Exactly. He's like,
1: he's just trying to protect them and get them back to their mom. Right. He's not like, you better not bring your dad back because then my girlfriend's going to, have her husband back.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. But you could have seen very easily. I mean that yeah. that's not a far stretch for a storyline.
1: No, it's not. Yeah. you um, I mean, everyone's seen that storyline, right?
0: Right. Yeah. So I thought I yeah. thought that was kind of cool and, and a bit more like progressive to the tune of, you know, mm. step parents in general.
1: Yeah. Uh, which which was pretty neat. All right, so let me ask you, what do you think the purpose of this movie being set in a fantasy land was, because I have some thoughts on it myself, but that was kind of my thought afterwards. Like, like, what was the point of it being a fantasy land? Why did this story have to take place there? That is, It's an interesting question to, to bring about. I mean,
0: I think on the one hand, you have to create a scenario where the idea of magic is like, Viable enough to present the circumstances in that somebody would be able to spend one last day sure. with their dad. And uh a bit of the the backstory there is the director Dan Scanlon of uh of Onward, I believe as a child had a very similar experience where um oh. after he was like a teenager or something, I believe somewhere in their in their like home files, they found a tape recording of... Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, which was pretty crazy. So it was kind of like, I think in a very similar context, he had that experience where he was able to like put a cassette in and like listen to his dad talk, Mm. which would be an experience, you know, that he had not had.
1: Was it oh okay, that's crazy. So kinda like what Ian does at the beginning with his tape recorder. I think
0: that is a direct wow uh like mirror of of the director. I believe it's the director Dan Scanlon who had that that experience. That Mm. was sort of like the inspiration for the idea. And and I think that's sort of what got him on there. It was like it was like getting to have one day with my dad, like well after the fact because Mm -hmm. it's such an interesting way to be able to like sort of like hear their voice and like like their inflections and what they would have been like and how they talked, and right, um, right, interesting.
1: It's so crazy now because you would have like you probably have like a lot of video and stuff, it would be different of, now. Like, yeah, your father or something, maybe I don't know, it depends on, I guess, your circumstances and stuff, right, 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 yeah, but very interesting. Yeah, if you just if you had never met him at all and never even heard his voice and then could like. Found some tape. That'd be crazy.
0: It would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be pretty. It would be pretty remarkable to have that experience.
1: So I think on the one
0: hand, that that is a big element of it. Is it's it's sort of like taking that cassette tape, and and turning it up to ten. Mm-hmm. But I think along that that path, it sort of does give you a super adventurous and fun way to you know, introduce all of these different characters and strange circumstances and- Right. Uh, but that is a step outside the box a little bit for for Pixar, I guess, where we're effectively, we're on a different planet altogether all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, for sure. So
0: I don't know, did, did you have an answer to that question though? Like, why did you think it was in a fantasy world?
1: Well, I think kind of, it was sort of along the same lines of how it's like gives you an opportunity to turn things up a notch Mm -hmm. up to like, up to their extremes or whatever. So I think the big theme in the movie is of course, family and stuff. But I think the other um, like background messaging was kind of like anti screens. Yeah. You know, is that, is that fair? No, I think that's fair. I I, I think even down to the
0: fact that they literally had, you know, Ian's phone broken. Yeah. Right at the start of the journey. the the, the the whole journey takes place with him. Screenless. Um, and, and I can't remember, it's interesting that you say that, uh, if this is actually a detail in the movie or if it was just in the trailer, but I do think we get a scene of him walking home in one of the trailers where he yeah, is like, was like, like staring at down. his phone, looking at
1: it. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, part of the reason it takes place in a fantasy land is like commentary on the real world's over-reliance on like technology and convenience and yes. like leaving a more creative path, less traveled, way of life behind yeah and i think the movie would absolutely i mean quite literally at times is telling you to take the more dangerous path but not only is it not just sometimes a correct path but it is the path you should always choose right and like i mean they literally call like you know what is it called like, a like danger lane effectively yeah, effectively yeah. danger lane right yeah 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 like they, they all yeah. have fun
0: names no you're absolutely right i mean i think i and i hadn't thought about it on the on the two paths but mm-hmm. ian was of course like no like we need to take well, like the freeway you know like right. it's a straight line there and it's like no 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 we need to take the squiggly line right you know and and that that is interesting because that's that's the whole concept of the movie you're right it's Magic once upon a time was yeah. this thing that was prominent and everywhere. And, and it's strange to think about it this way, but it was almost like it literally got
1: phased out because other conveniences outdid magic. Right, it'd be like, you know, if you if you had the wizarding world of Harry Potter, if, you know, you had a bunch of these, like wizards marrying muggles and them going to live together and them realizing like, I'll send it now, And they'll be like, no, I'll just text them. Cool, yeah, we'll be there at 7.30. Right, <laughs> we'll like, yeah, yeah. that was so fast and then like just sort of like eventually realizing like I don't know if magic is the fastest way right yeah or like the best way or stuff like that and I think so part of the reason it takes place in fantasy land is like it's easy for us to say like well it's just the natural progression of things we invent more stuff of course we're gonna take that's the point of inventing stuff. Right. This is what technology does. But they're in a place where like everything is so fantastical and so different and so crazy. Like certainly if you have magic, you would never get to this point. But, but no, this is, and I think that's what he's saying is like, we came from a place where we had magic. Right. And now today we're losing the magic. Right. Like the, the small town businesses, the colorful thing, everything's just being like sanded down to the easiest, smoothest curves possible. I love that. There you go. I think that is that that actually that is so
0: interesting because it is it is a movie that feels like the themes are so obvious. Right. Because it's about family and, you know, like looking up to somebody Mm -hmm. and brotherhood and adventure and all that. But no, that fits pretty perfectly, the whole idea.
1: Yeah, well, that's, I think, partly the big role with the Chimera woman as well. Right. Well, I mean, she literally goes from being this big, bad, invincible, you know, adventurer. Right, right, right. Like
0: explosions are like she, yeah, like she's
1: always behind her. Right, always behind her. And she you know obviously accumulated enough riches to start a business and now she's down to the point where she is no risk at all at all times she's worried about insurance claims and tax fraud and all these really boring, stupid things. And she's like gone from this huge adventure to essentially running like a discount Chuck E. Cheese. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah.
0: you know, bringing out mozzarella sticks and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, Um. No, that's a fascinating world. That's a fascinating world. So it's it's cool to see that. And I think that it does even bring the magic into like a completely different lens in terms of its importance, you know, in your society. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, in this case, it's literal magic. But in our case, it's like, what is the magic that like we've
1: left behind? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, what is, is is there a mm. sense of like- I wonder if he would even argue, if the movie's even arguing that some of the magic being left behind is like quality family time. Right. Because that really ties the whole thing together. It does. Like, mm, mm, interesting. I would bet you at Dan Scanlon's house, there is a no phones the moment you walk in the door. That. It would not surprise me It would not me. surprise me at all. It would not surprise I don't, me. I don't hate that rule either. I oh
0: man, it's so hard. It well, okay, and and that's I mean, this is stepping outside of the the uh, you know, the movie, but it is it's a strange evolution of society when it's like everybody embraces new technology, embraces new technology, embraces new technology until you literally reach a point where it's like your civilization is so advanced that you are literally capable of ignoring new technology mm-hmm. for the greater experience, mm-hmm. uh, which is a strange development, but mm. it, it's almost like I'm sure that there is a breaking point from a societal standpoint where you eventually are able to recognize right. that, like the the better technology is not does not equal better life
1: for sure. I think um, people realize that this. Is, I think you can certainly arrive to the the point in life where like you have so much, you know, stuff. Even you're like, ah, this isn't really making my life happier anymore. Right. It's just like. I just have been trained to want it in a sort of way. Even though I would say, now we're really getting off topic, you can like, even the act of going on adventures, as I feel like been somewhat sanded down yeah. a lot, you know? Like, do you remember there was like a really viral photo of Mount Everest a couple years ago where the line to get to the top was like comically and like tragically long? Yes. And it was like, oh, people could die here. But it's like, it's become such a tourist thing. That, like at one point, you know, climbing Mount Everest would have been something like ones of people on earth could do. Exactly, You know. yeah, very, like very, very few, yeah. and you had to be like crazy. You had to be crazy, and you had to be a super mountaineer, right. and you had to like know what you were doing, and now you can just basically pay someone to drag you up there, Right. so you can say you were up there. Right. Yeah, so even stuff like that isn't quite like, you know, you wanna go on a backpacking trip through the Himalayas? I'm, well, maybe you can do it by yourself, but I bet you could also pay a oh, tour, th- tourist guide th- to go take you on it. There's a Groupon for yeah, that. Yeah, there's a Groupon for that. You know, right, it's yeah. like yeah, they're they they've yeah, it's mm, it's about maybe the maybe the real message of this movie is just really anti-commercialism.
0: Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I think even to your tune of the adventure, like I think <clears> when when Barley shows up and he's like, "We're going on a quest." Yeah, it's almost in like. He's got time for a quest, you know, yeah. like, like it, it is almost like we, the audience are even like, yeah, like that a quest, like that's going to take
1: forever. Yeah. Right? Like, like you're listening to Ian explain to him why the straight line is the better path. And you're like, dude, he has a really good point. You have a very strict time limit and there is a direct path. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Obviously he's wrong. But... Obviously he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it,
0: it's hard to argue with why is the straight line not the best way to do things? Right.
1: Yeah. But obviously the movie turns out that way. So I guess it's just encourage you to uh, take the do not take the path of least resistance. There you
0: go, yeah. Maybe maybe your yeah. key takeaway from watching this very review on your screen is mm. is On your screen. On your screen <laughs> is us encouraging you to go on an adventure. That's right. Like how soon could you do that? How who who could pick up a phone right now and be like, hey friend? Adventure. Adventure. How Leave hard is your that? phone. You should do it. You should do it
1: right now. Mm, yeah. should, should we go on an adventure? We probably should. We got work to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, more screen <laughs> stuff to make.
0: More screen stuff to make. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please subscribe. <laughs> Please subscribe and hit that like button and leave comments. They're good for the YouTube algorithm. Okay. So as, as we move into the, the
0: mm-hmm. final moments here, before I ask your score, there are, there are two things that I want to bring up also that I that I super
1: liked about this movie. One of them was the gelatinous cube. Oh my gosh. They set up the gelatinous cube a couple of times. And after they said it, the first time he said it, it was like, a, okay, that could just be a funny thing he said. Right. But after the second time Barley mentions the gelatinous cube, I was like, if they do not show us a gelatinous cube in this movie. They delivered. And they delivered. I they thought it was hilarious. It was so, it was so
0: funny that like, (laughs) because it totally feels like, (gasps) like if you were playing like a trading card game or something, which I bet there is some type of like large. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Squish cube or something. uh, It would be like, and I'm going to play. gelatinous Gelatinous
1: cube cube. Mm.
0: Um, yeah Uh, bring it um Mm. so i i love the gelatinous cube i love that they like made the joke a few times and then they they, like brought it in and like and at that point in time we were all in on it we were like oh yeah yeah that's dangerous watch it uh The other thing, this is like the most small but thing that I thought was so ridiculously satisfying, is the way that Ian's pen went across the paper. Oh when he was crossing this stuff is, out. That's
1: one of those hilarious things where you're like, the animation is so good that even though we're watching a movie with magic and elves and, you know, bridge trolls and gelatinous cubes, the way the pen worked on the paper was the unrealistic part. It was too satisfying. It It was—I mean, it was extremely satisfying. Well done to whoever animated that. Thumbs up for you. You get a pay raise. I (laughs) have no control (laughs) over that, but you should. You should. That was good. So let me just tell you: no one who has ever owned one of those clicky pens that has four clickers on the top has made such a nice, satisfying line on a sheet of paper before. It has such cheap ink. They have such cheap ink, and they have to fit four things in that one tube. And Ian—he's just like a master of switching between them, using them for different—you know—purposes. Oh. Man, really, really
0: good, really good sound, really good movement. Yes. And I would, to be honest, I would pay extra for a pen that wrote that well with the four clickies. Yeah. You know, it's like, I understand that like you, you might cost yourself out of some things. It's like, who's going to pay $14 for a pen
1: that actually works. Official office pen. Yeah. Everyone must use. Everyone must use the clicky pen.
0: If someone has a good one that they recommend, be sure to let us know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like
1: there's just the one. Everyone knows the one. Everyone knows the one. Yeah. Yeah, It's got black, green, red, red, and blue. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think
0: we had when we were a kid that may have had nine colors.
1: Well, yeah, I remember was, we had a jumbo one. It
0: was kind of like fat, and we. It was. <laughs> it did, and I
1: don't think it worked well. And I'd be like, does this one work? Mm, only pink works. Okay. Well, do I want to write in pink? I don't know. Maybe it was the opposite of ergonomic. Is really what it comes down to. Yes, yeah, not very comfortable to write with a uh, okay.
0: huge chunky pen like that. So Rotten Tomatoes critic score at the moment is eighty three percent. Oh wow yeah interesting so we have seen this movie um and, and this was actually not even like a special screening because we're youtubers or do this type of thing uh but they did offer a leap day opportunity to see it which i yeah. thought was very clever it was very
1: clever because it's one extra day
0: one extra day get it yeah uh? Uh, uh, it worked so well yeah. that was whoever thought of that like also deserves a raise because yeah. that is super clever and we took advantage of it so there is not currently an audience score. I'm curious to know what your score okay, is. Okay, well,
1: I I will scroll up so you can see it already. I'm not adjusting this based on the um, what we just heard, but I my score, and I thought this was weird because I'm giving it an 80 out of 100. Okay. Um, but I was like, you know what? 80 out of 100 sounds right, but eight out of 10 sounds like too high or something. Oh, but, interesting. But I think, yes, 80 out of 100, so it sounds like pretty pretty similar there. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, that's so it's it's right on cue. My my score for it, I
0: maybe I liked it more than you did.
1: Oh. Um, it sounds like, okay, because I was really worried going in because uh, in case you don't know, my wife just gave birth to twins six days before this movie came out and knowing it was gonna be about them spying, them trying to spend time with their father and it was like two brothers. I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be, this is gonna be really emotional. Right. But um, I think it sounds like maybe the person it was most effective on was the younger brother. Yeah. Yeah, which is what you are. Which is what I and am. So I am, I would feel more, I guess, more of like the barley slash father um, figures in the this particular narrative. And, and I,
0: I do think that's a very interesting note of it because like at the end of the movie, I was like, did you cry? Because I cheered up like six times. Did you? I did, Man. yeah. And it's strange though, because you are not like Barley. No, um, like in some ways you are like in terms of like being like a very encouraging older brother and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it was odd because of that, because like, I had the same thought. I was like, it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes, because, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a it's a very like brother based movie. Yeah. But I think that for me, there was a lot of the moments of like looking up to your older brother mm-hmm. and like the support. And I think that's why like the idea of. Because I think one of the things you have always been fantastic about is always just being like supportive of when I'm good at something. So I think for me, that was like one of those where it was like, that is Jay. Like, <laughs> when I'm good, like those are the moments where I was like, he is that brother to me. Uh, and so I think that definitely, you're right though. Maybe it is one of those things where from from my perspective, the little brother's perspective, I, I was Ian, mm. you were Barley. Right. Um, well so, said, Ben. Yeah, I'm so proud
1: of you. Thanks, man.
0: Thanks. That's, <laughs> that said, so I, I am, I'm pretty close. My score was an 84. Oh, okay. Um, so not like your new favorite Pixar movie. I, I do not think it was my new favorite Pixar movie, but I will say that I enjoyed it the
1: whole time. Oh, I enjoyed um, it the whole time, too. I thought it was... Here's what I will say, I, why I didn't give it like a, a higher score, is I thought it was exceptionally well-written, and I thought they did so many things right and they made all the little things matter and all the little things paid off but i also didn't find myself thinking about it at all the next day like it didn't it didn't like stick in my mind the way that other pixar movies have i was like that was really good all right yes and i think i think i had like a little bit of that like i think
0: movies like inside out and wally uh, mm-hmm. I think even the Incredibles, you know, like I think a lot of those moments, a lot of the Toy Story moments, are things that like I, I that like my resting mind will reach for, mm-hmm. and I, I will like go and think about it. Up would be another one. I think the way that I came home with it is, I think it's probably a top ten Pixar movie for mm, me, probably, um, but not a top five. Mm, okay. Um, so okay. that was that was sort of where I ultimately landed with it. But I did thoroughly enjoy the movie the whole time. Like I, I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't like worried about outside stuff while right. I was in the theater. Totally engaged. It totally engaged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was my experience. Super liked it. I think yeah, 83 is probably. I think yeah. that's about right. Yeah, I'm nice. curious to see what the audience score is. Though.
1: Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me yeah.
0: too. And again, guys, don't forget to go and check out upstart.com slash SCB.
1: Get out of debt faster and more efficiently. Link is in the description down below. Guys, thanks so much for watching. As always, please remember to leave a like on this video you haven't already, and subscribe so you don't miss any future movie reviews from us. If you want to see our full Toy Story 4 review, you can check out this video right here. Or if you'd like to see the complete Pixar theory, you can check out this video right here. But until next time, bye. bye.